Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Good morning, Movement Church. Oh, you're looking good. Everybody do me a favor. Take your right hand and hold it up like this. Swing it across to your left shoulder. Pat yourself on the back. You braved the rain on Super Bowl Sunday. Come on. Yeah, turn to somebody next to you, give you a high five. Say, hey, you're awesome. Woo, you survived the rain. Oh my gosh, it's mind blowing. Isn't it amazing what happens in Orange County when rain falls? It's just like nobody knows how to drive anymore. We freak out. We're like, maybe we should stay. Should we stay inside? Should we start prepping for the apocalypse? I don't know what's going to happen, but you did it. Come on, one more time. Give yourself a round of applause. So you're my favorite people. You are literally my favorite people, much more than first service. So thanks for being here. We're excited to share a couple things. Hey, I also want to say a special hello to those of you who are listening online and those of you that are in the family room. You're amazing. You're some of our favorite people. I don't know if you know this, but we have a family room right around the corner. If you've got a young child that maybe needs a little extra care or attention, we've got coffee in there and rockers and uh, not rockers, like rocking chairs. And uh, this service is on the screen with audio. It's like perfect for you. So for those of you in the family family room, we love you. You're amazing. And just glad you're a part of what's going on. And I'm excited about today. We're kicking off a brand new series, but before I do that, I just want to invite each of you. I, I'm going to ask, I, you know, I, I like to use the, the, the euphemism or the, the, the word picture of, of taking off a hat. I want to take off the, the hat of a friend for a moment, and I want to put on the hat of being a pastor, which means I want to talk for a moment from a position of maybe authority if I can. And I want to ask that you do me a favor If you call the Movement Church home, or even if you're just kicking the tires and you're checking out under the hood to see what you think, would you do me a favor and clear your calendar and join us for our second annual Legacy Gala on February 24th? We're going to unpack God's vision and heart for this house and our response. It's a little different than the last year we did this. It's at Elisa Viejo Country Club. The cost is 30 bucks per plate. That includes the dinner. We've got elephants coming out and some guys are twirling fire. No, there's no elephants. But uh, hey, here's the truth. God is up to something big at the Movement Church. He's up to something big in Orange County and we're just, we're a slice of the pie of what God's doing. And if you call this place home, I believe at the core of who I am that what God wants to do cannot happen if we don't get involved in it. So all I'm asking is you to clear your schedule, come out for a couple of hours, hang out with us on February 24th, and just hear God's heart and plan for 2019 and beyond, and let God speak to you about what your part might be to play. Can you do that? So do me a favor, everybody, just even if you don't like me, just fake it for a moment. Everybody pull out your cell phone. Just, you can pull out a fake cell phone like this if you want to and text the word legacy and you can fake scroll. You can go beep, boop, 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 beep, boop, whatever it is. Text the word legacy to the number on the screen. You got an RSVP and uh, I don't want you to miss it. I think God's gonna do something amazing. So come out and hang with us. I'm representing the student movement hoodie. Whoa. I'm excited. I'm not even kidding. I am excited about what God is doing at the student movement here at the Movement Church. I've been in youth ministry uh, for 12 years prior to planting the church, and and I've never seen God do something through students like he's doing now. And this is the beginning, the undercurrent. So I'm excited about what that has to offer, and I figured I would rep the hoodie, and it's raining so I can get away with wearing a hoodie. Is that right? Okay. Even if you don't like it, I'm still going to wear it. I'm not going to take it off. I promise you. So 
I, I want to share a couple thoughts. We're starting a brand new series, and the series is called Domus Mius. Everybody say Domus Mius. I have no clue what that means. We just thought it sounded neat. No, I'm kidding. We're really diving into this series on the church, specifically the movement church. And in preparation for this series, uh, we did some, my wife and I were doing some serious reading uh, centered around St. Francis of Assisi. I'm sure many of you have heard of him. How many of you are readers in the room? Can you raise your hand for me? Okay, the rest of you, hey, readers are leaders. So start reading. I'm telling you, we love it. So we dove into this book called Chasing Francis by one of my current favorite authors, Ian Morgan Cron. And he just kind of unpacked his journey of faith and how he was inspired by uh, one of the leading fathers of the faith in medieval times, St. Francis of Assisi. And uh, he was an individual, a passionate individual who's actually known for the restoration of Christendom. And I'll explain why. Because in the Middle Ages, the church was actually synonymous with politics, manipulation, extortion, and corruption. And it had drifted so far from its original intent. But Francis had this awakening. He had this encounter with God. And he brought about a change that we're still experiencing today. And here's what the change was. He just pointed people back to Jesus. But not just pointing people to Jesus, he pointed people to Jesus and the transformation that's brought about through a relationship with him. Now he was known for many things, one of which was his profound impact in the poor. In fact, there's this notorious story about him in relation to a, a, a person with leprosy that he encountered on a road. He was riding his horse, and I don't know if you know this, but in those days, when you contracted leprosy, A, there was no cure, and B, you were a social outcast. Like literally denounced from your family, you would have to go to a leper colony and live out the remainder of your days in pain, agony, and loneliness. If you saw or encountered a leper, you would literally cross to the other side of the street or you would go the other way. And yet Francis is riding his horse, sees a leper approaching down the road. And the story goes that he jumped off of his horse, ran up to the leper and embraced him. And within a few months, he was found living in an actual leper colony, just bringing compassion and hope and healing to a forgotten and a rejected people. This was not how he was raised. He was raised in nobility with wealth and affluence and really was raised with this desire and this passion for the glory of knighthood. So he joined the army, the military, if you will. And after joining the military, he was actually kidnapped. And then his father ransomed him, brought him back home. And then he joined right back again because he was desperate to pursue this glory of becoming a knight. And the night before a large battle, he was laying in bed and he had this encounter with God. And, and by the way, he was not a Christ follower, but he has this dream and he feels like this impression that he's got to return home. So now picture Francis, Francis, this rich boy who was off for fame and glory of knighthood who returns home because, quote unquote, God told me to. Imagine the shame that followed that. And he returns home because God speaks to him. And soon after returning, he found his way to the chapel, San Damiano. Everybody say San Damiano. Very good. Very good. I don't know why I said that, but you're welcome. And the chapel was in shambles. The roof had caved in and the walls were cracked and dilapidated. The altar was covered in debris. And there were scant reminders that this had once been a thriving place of worship. Its dilapidated state 
for Francis was this metaphor of the condition of the church as well as an indication of just how far off the church had strayed from its original intent. A home which should have been a sanctuary of hope and healing or a lighthouse pointing people to Jesus now lay dormant. A reflection of traditions past, empty and impotent. While outside the walls of this dilapidated church, a world lie in wait, hoping, praying for the hope of greater things yet to come. Francis looked up at the cross on the wall in his time of prayer, and above the cross was a sign written in Latin, and the sign read, Domus Mius, which translates, my house, my house. In that moment, Francis heard God speak clearly and say, go and repair my house. For him, it was a burning bush experience. It was this internal mission to both build and be the church for which Jesus gave his life. And my prayer for us in this church, for you as an individual, not the person who brought you, but literally for you, for myself, for the movement church. My prayer is that this series would be an awakening to God's purpose and plan for us as the church, that we would both be and build His house, the church. Let me pray for us as we dive in today. And and as I normally do before I pray, all eyes up and, and looking at me for one moment. I don't know your background. I don't know your your spiritual heritage and I don't know the great season you might be in or as my wife Megan was sharing, maybe the valley you've experienced over the last few weeks. But I know, I I know above everything else that right here in this place, God is, is up to something. And if we just open our heart to what He can and wants to do, I think all of us will leave just a little bit healthier with a slight change and even if you have a hard time believing that you can mix your faith with mine because I woke up this morning praying for you feeling like P. Diddy and excited that was a little joke for you you're welcome excited to inspire you look at me for a moment you as an individual not the person next to you, but you, to be who God has called you to be. Can we pray? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Would you, would you mix your faith with mine? God, we just come before you. And, and like the song that we sing, we declare that your name is greater. Your name is higher. And all our hope is in you. We need you today. Lean in and help us to be the men and the women that you have called us to be. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. And go Rams. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, good, great. How about this? Go good food at the party. Yeah, okay. Now we're all in. All right.
Well, hey, before I dive in, I, I, I think it's important to kind of start off, to, to build the foundation of our next 25 minutes together, the, the, the few remaining moments we have together in this sermon. It's important to start this series off with the idea and the notion of Jesus' heart for us and for the church. He came to do two things. It wasn't to heal the sick. It wasn't to walk on water. It wasn't to turn water into wine. It wasn't to uh, make feed 5,000 from a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish. Jesus came to do two things. Number one, to seek and to save the lost. People who did not know him, who are far from him, he came to seek and to save the lost. And number two was to establish his church. These are the two reasons that he came to earth, to find those who are lost and to build his church. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 16, I will build my church. I will build Domus Mias, my house, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In other words, of everything the enemy tries to do, he ain't got nothing on my church. That's the carry paraphrase. And he says, I came to build my house. Jesus said that. It was, it is, and it will always be his mission. Why? Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I believe that if it's important to him, it should be important to us. If it's important to him, it should be important to us, which leads me to my first and only point. Can I get an amen for that? It's going to be a real short message. No, it's not. This leads me to my first and only point. So if you're not taking notes, write this down. And if you are taking notes, write this down. Here it is. If it's God's heart for the church, it's God's heart for me. If it's God's heart for the church, it's God's heart for me. Jesus was specific about why he established the church. He was very specific about this. And I believe all too often that we become misguided of what the church should be. Perhaps because someone in your life painted a picture that was poorly painted of God's heart for the church. Or perhaps because, like many of us, you walk in with an assumption or a presumption of what should or should not happen in the church. So what I want to do is take a couple of moments to establish a few things that I believe are not the reason that Jesus established his church. The first and foremost is Jesus did not establish his church to uphold tradition and pomp and circumstance. That's not why he did this. Now, now listen, I'm not saying that traditions are bad or evil. I'm simply saying Jesus didn't die for a tradition. Are you tracking with me? For centuries, we have replaced our need for God with the pomp and circumstances of the order of church. Have you ever heard of the term, that's a red herring? Have you ever heard that term? That is a red herring. Many of you probably have. Some of you aren't old enough to know that term. But this term was popularized in 1807 by a man named William Cobbett. And he used this in a story talking about a herring, which was a strong, odorous, smoked fish. And he was kind of sensitive towards the needs of animals. And he dragged the smell of this red herring or smoked fish across the trail where hounds were pursuing rabbits. So it took them off course. So a red herring was meant to divert someone from actually understanding the purpose. Or it's something that misleads or distracts from a relevant or important issue. The hope was that readers and audiences are led towards a false conclusion. It's a distraction, just like Joe walking across the stage. How many of you saw that? If you didn't see it, you can't be on our security team. The end. 
Yes, that was planned. Welcome Joe back to the room. A red herring is a distraction to mislead us from missing so that we, we get steered in a different direction and we miss the main point. Now listen to me, for years, for years, tradition and pomp and circumstances have created a false illusion of a relationship with God. For years. Let me explain. Now at the movement church, we're not uber traditional. Oh, we have an order of service. We're not Uber. We're not going to sit and stand and sing, sit and read three Hail Marys and a, the prayer of serenity, right? But, but listen, if you're not careful, you, not the person next to you, but you could equate your attendance or presence in church to a strong and healthy personal relationship with God. Wow. Are you tracking with me? As if I'm doing God a favor by showing up today. You're welcome, God. Got you, boo. I got you. Can you imagine how strong and healthy my relationship with Megan, my wife? We use illustrations of marriage, by the way, in relation to the church because Jesus did that. He calls the church his bride. In fact, he told men that as we are married to our wife, we're to take care of her as Christ loved the church who gave up everything for her. So can you imagine how strong and healthy my relationship with Megan would be if it was just relegated to an hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday morning? And if I, like many of you, showed up late, now it's an hour. Like we can't tell when you walk in. Show up. Hey, babe. All right. Countdown has started. Here we go. Got an hour. How, what's going on in your world? How are you doing good? I think you're awesome. You know, this is awesome. And if you're me as a husband, I got an hour. I got one thing on my mind for an hour. <laughs> Maybe a couple minutes, but. <laughs> Just kind of make sure we're talking and connecting. Okay, that's it. We're good. And you are dismissed. Imagine how healthy and strong my relationship would be with her if we just limited it to an hour once a week. And we do this on a regular basis because we want a transactional God. In other words, I do this, God, and then you do that. Or you do this and then I do that. It's a transaction. And we do this in a lot of our relationships as well. So we want a transactional God, but he doesn't want that. He wants a transformation to take place. He says, I did that. It's already done. Don't you remember my son Jesus, when he was on the cross, he said, it is finished. Now, I just want you to walk with me and I'll show you how to live. I want transformation, not a transaction. And so the problem is that you and I, we want transformational results, but at the small cost of a transactional relationship. Let me explain. I want the peace of God, which passes all understanding in hard and difficult circumstances, but I don't want to trust God in every circumstance. So God, I want you to show up and be peace, but I'll let you know when I'm going to choose to trust you in all things. I want a transformational result, but at a transaction. of God, I prayed that prayer. Where are you at? Are you tracking with me today? I want the grace of God, which is freeing, 
But I don't want the truth of God, which states I can't live however I want to live and experience freedom. So I want God's grace, but I want to live how I want to live, a transactional relationship, but I want transformational results. You track with me in this quiet second service. The reason we want it is because it's easier and quicker that way. And we like quick and easy. You know how I know? Because every night when I go to preset my coffee maker so it's brewed in the morning, can I get an amen? So I can smell the coffee wafting through the hallway. I walk out to my kitchen and I take the empty coffee pot and I put it under the dispenser of the water bottle that I got from Costco that dispenses cold water and I hold the lever down and it takes eight billion years to fill up this stinking, anybody out here that's like me? Eight, I literally, I have lost hair and gained it on my back while holding. I one time was so angry, I wanted to punch a kitten. And I couldn't find one, so I timed it. You know how long this costs? Some of y'all are very angry about that kitten joke. Get over it. You know what? It took me 45 seconds, that's it. And I was livid because of how long it took me to fill up the coffee pot that is a machine that I can fill up with coffee that is going to brew for me in the morning and water that was delivered to my house and electricity in the home that is over my head and billions of people are without a clean water source. And I tap my foot. You're trying, don't judge me. We want quick and easy, don't we? And so... What we've done is we've replaced transformation with tradition. We have assumed that just showing up and being in a service equates to a transformational growth internally. And as a result, our relationship has become transactional. And most of our frustration with God happens when the transaction doesn't work like we want it to. God, I prayed and you didn't show up. God, where were you? Where were you, God? You see, when it's transformational, I begin to learn the nature of God, and I begin to understand that there are some things I just can't answer. Like Megan talked about a moment ago, but when it's transactional, I don't understand the nature of God. I just understand the nature of what I want. Are you tracking with me this morning? Here's another way that this surfaces in our life. The misguided concept or views of what the church is. Listen, we replace our internal growth and transformation with volunteering. Now, now hold tight. I believe with everything that I am that making a difference with my talents and my skill set, it should be a part of my life, but it should be a response to his work in my life and not the indication of change. It's like putting a Band-Aid on a bullet wound. Sure, we might cover up the entry. Sure, we might not be able to see the bleeding anymore. But underneath the surface, this wound is going to become infectious and probably, if not dealt with, could take my life. But on the outside, it might appear like everything is okay. But internally, no change is taking place. Listen, you haven't lived until you've been part of a team of people who are making a difference. Church gets fun when you stop attending for yourself. I'm telling you that right now, but don't fool yourself to thinking that it equals transformation. Look, I can provide for my wife. 
I can make sure I have a job that's paying for our mortgage or rent to put a roof over the head that the bills are paid and food in their mouths, but I can do that and simultaneously not be in love with her. Is that true? Have we not seen that in our society? But my, my love for Megan is a living, breathing, growing component of our life. It's constantly reshaping and reforming, and it's fueled by connection. It's fueled by intimacy. Can I get an amen from some people? It's apparently not. I like intimacy with my wife. It's fueled by intimacy. It's fueled by time together. And then my response is to provide for her everything that she needs and wants. Are you tracking with me? So I love her. We have a relationship that's growing, and my response is to provide for her. And pray for me. She's expensive, people. <laughs> Diva pastor. You, you followed her, so it's real. Y'all, the struggle is real. Pray for me. The church was not established to uphold tradition and pomp and circumstance. Let me tell you what the church was established to do. The church was established to illuminate the gospel and his presence. It was established to illuminate the gospel and his presence. The gospel just means the good news. That's what it means. No more mystery. Good news. What's the good news? Jesus he died so that I can have life. You're no longer a slave to sin. Death no longer has its hold over you. Jesus paid the price. In John 10, Jesus said these words, a thief is only there to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came so that you can have real and eternal life and better life than you've ever dreamed of. Other translations say, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. He established the church to give life to the lifeless. And if that's God's heart for the church, it's God's heart for me. The church was established to illuminate the gospel and his presence. I love how Psalm 34 paints the picture just like this. It's in the message translation. It says this, open your mouth and taste. Open your eyes and see how good God is. Blessed are you who run to him. What is that? It's saying that, that the church should be a place that moves past tradition and leads us into an experience with the true, living, tangible God. Taste and see that God's real. Michael's not God. He's pretty close, but he's not God. Taste and see this is an experience. This is not some distant relationship, some distant mystical deity off in the distance of some archaic book that we read or scrolled through months ago but God is real when they represented and they presented Jesus they said who is he? he's wonderful counselor everlasting God prince of peace Emmanuel God with us taste and see why because we don't just need more knowledge we need an experience that no one can take away no one can steal it no one can prove it differently for me. I mean, I don't have all the answers, but I just, I know. I had a moment with God when I was 12 or 18 or 27 or 42 or 56. And a friend come up to me last Sunday and he said, Pastor Kerry, I just had an encounter with the Holy Spirit like I've never had before. 
And you know what he told me? He said, that was my burning bush moment. He said, nobody can take that from me. God became real. Not a, not a tradition. Not a religion. But real. And that's my prayer for you every Sunday. My prayer isn't that you just sing a great song, which we're going to have great music. Great words. My prayer isn't that you just meet great people. We have some great people. We have some weird people here too. We got a lot of great people. And if you aren't laughing, you might be the weird person, but it's not important. How many of you have that one person in your family it's just a little bit strange? Would you raise your hand? If your hand's not up, you probably is that person. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> Pastor joke. My prayer isn't that you, you, you sing a great song or meet great people or hear a profoundly inspirational sermon by a really good-looking guy. <laughs> Why is that funny? My prayer is that you encounter the presence of God. Yeah. That you, that you, here's what I'm looking for. I don't know why, but I just felt something. I don't know what the deal is, but I had a friend that tell me, came to our church at the beginning of the, of the church, and he said, I don't know what the deal is, but when we have worship, I just cry. And I, I, I go, you know what that is? That's just God being real. You don't have to cry. It's okay. I'm just saying, like, that it goes beyond just tradition. Are you tracking with me? He, he wants us to be in the midst of his presence too. And if it's God's heart for the church, it's God's heart for me. The church was not established, my friends, to be a corporate lobby full of career-seeking applicants presenting their best with hopes of accomplishments and accolades. And for years, we've been that, right? You, if you went to church at any time growing up, or you had a mom or an aunt or a grandma or an, a, an adult in your life, they were going to church, put on your Sunday It's like the one day of the week, we're going to look like we got our stuff together. We are jacked up the rest of the week. But you know what? Put on those pants you never wear unless it's a wedding or a funeral. You tuck your shirt in. What? My dad used to make me tuck my shirt and go into youth with khakis and a button up. <laughs> tuck your shirt. I'm like, why? Why does it even matter? What is the difference? And I would walk upstairs. I'm like pulling it out of my pants. <laughs> mm -mm. Let's move on. The church wasn't established to be some corporate lobby where we get put on our Sunday best and present this perfect depiction of who we are. The church was established to be a hospital with both emergency rooms and operation rooms. And listen, where the healthier walk alongside those who are unhealthy, not the healthiest, not the perfect, not the perfectly put, the healthier Listen, can I just tell you, let, let us not be a church that equates health with a hypocritical display of virtue. Can, can we not be that church? As, as if we've got everything. Listen, at the movement church, you don't have to act like everything is perfect. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay. Everybody take a deep breath. You don't have to be perfect. Stop, stop trying to impress people or, or act important or talented or strong. It's okay. If you're strong right now, great. If you're not, it's okay. In fact, all of us are a little bit jacked up. If you jacked up in here, please raise your hand. If you didn't raise your hand, you are really jacked up. 
Are you tracking with me today? Hey, can I just tell you something? Don't be fake. If you're going to call the movement church home, don't be fake. Be real and be you. Be, be released to be real and be you. Okay, fake is exhausting. You don't have to come here in your Sunday best and pretend like you have it all. It's exhausting. It's like when your mother-in-law comes in town. If you're listening, mother-in-law, I love you. You're my favorite mother-in-law I've ever had. I could have three. You don't know. Fake is exhausting, but listen, you are refreshing. You are. You ever been with somebody and just talking with them, and all of a sudden they just, they're just telling you about the things that they've walked through, and, and man, they're just real with you, and they're authentic, and like, man, you know, honestly, this week was horrible, and I'll tell you why. Man, I yelled at my wife, and then we were in a fight, and man, I thought I was going to sleep on the couch. This was just rough, and you're just like, oh, man, me too. I know what, that th- I know what that's like. Ah, man, it's refreshing. Uh, you mean I don't have to act like everything's together? No, not here. And, and listen, if that's your tendency, then just be released. You don't have to be that anymore. You know, Jesus painted this picture, and I, I love the way he paraphrases it in, in, in the message translation. Eugene Peterson, he says this, and he depicts God's heart for the church in one of the most profound ways. He says, are you tired? Isn't fake exhausting? Are you just tired of having to pretend like I got this thing figured out? Who, who in their right mind thinks they actually have things figured out? I don't. You know, I, I, I'm not as old as some of you. I'm older than a lot of you. I'm rapidly approaching 40. My metabolism is dying a slow death. My hair is growing in the wrong places. You know what I'm talking about? It's just like, it's just disgusting. Like, I just go, man, what's wrong with me? So much. And, and here's what I figure out. I, the more I'm, I, I'm in ministry, you know, we're, we're, we are a hospital. So, so our, our job is, is we, we put the pieces back together. When, when, when the proverbial life hits the proverbial fan, we, we'll help put the pieces back together. But man, we, we don't want to make that our only job. We want to help recorrect, rearrange our life so we can start fire prevention instead of putting out fires. And, and so I, I hear more and more stories and I walk through more and more of my own junk. And, and man, I've got a testimony that would terrify you if you knew the fullness of the redemptive work of Jesus in my life. And I just, as I acquire more information and meet more people and, and experience more things, you know what I realized? The more I know, the less I know. It's really frustrating. And I just think, man, why, why are we trying to act like we got this thing figured out? Stop it, right? Just be okay with exactly who you are, but work on getting better. Let's say it this way, work on getting healthier. So Jesus says, are you tired? Yeah. Are you worn out? Yeah. Are you burned out on religion? Yes. Yeah. Won't you come to me? Let, let me? let me take care of it. In fact, get away with me. And you'll recover your life. There's something that he's saying in the subtext. He's saying that 
in that striving and hustle, we, we have, have deceived ourselves into thinking we're going to figure out what life is about, but all we get is just a little bit more exhausted. And he says, come to me and I'll help you recover the life you've been fighting for. I'll show you how to take a rest. I love this. Walk with me. Work with me. And watch how I do it. Let me show you the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you, but keep company with me and you'll learn freely and live lightly. This is the mission of his church. This is why he established the church. And, and, and you know, if it's God's heart for the church, it's God's heart for me. And you know what, that's why the mission of our church, the movement church is what it is. And we put it on every piece of printed banner material we can pop. We want to remind everyone of what the mission of the movement church is. Why? Because I know the slippery slope that it is to try to make church what we want it to be. And can I just give you a couple things we will never be? A country club for Christians to feel good about themselves. Congratulations, encouragement. If you are looking for a church where you can just take a seat and be just a good old Christian boy or girl, and just kind of chill and love Jesus and do your life and make it easy as possible, as much as we can, then I promise you, you're going to be very frustrated at the movement church. Because I don't know about you, but my Bible, Jesus tells me to die daily and pick up my cross and follow him. And there's nothing convenient or sexy about a cross. Only on the necklace that we wear. You know what the cross represents? The ultimate sacrifice. The mission of the movement church is to inspire the one who's far from God to find life in Christ and life in the church. And as long as I'm the senior pastor of this church, that will never change. Why? We want to inspire people. We can't make people change. We can't force people to change. We want to inspire people to change. How many of you have ever gotten anywhere in life because someone made you change? None of you. But I'm telling you, my life is marked not because I've been in church my whole life, but because I had a moment with Jesus. And we said the one who's far from God, because we're not trying to build a big church, we're trying to build big people who are in love with God. A little bit jacked up, mildly jacked up, exceptionally jacked up, all in between. And we're just working on being more like who he called me to be. That's the, move, the mission of the movement church. And you are the church. It's amazing how God designed this. This is his house. This, the Bible says that I am a temple of the Holy Spirit. I am the church. And this is his house. It's both in. Let me show you in scripture. It's found in Psalm. I'm skipping ahead on my notes. I'm giving the confidence monitor a chance to catch up. Look at this on the screen. Psalm 34, verse 1. Check this out. Both in. He said, I bless God every chance I get. Every chance I get, my lungs expand with his praise and I live and breathe God. What is this? This is a personal church service. God is doing something in me and I'm excited. My life is about him. But look at the next verse. Look at what it says. Join me in spreading the news together. 
Let's get the word out. Verse 4 says this, God met me more than halfway and he freed me from my anxious fear. A personal church experience and a corporate church experience where we're one body of individuals who make up a greater whole where God is doing something amazing. Hey, God did something in my life. Come on, let's get together and get the word out. Here's what God did. He freed me from my anxious fear. It's both an individual and a corporate gathering. Corporate meaning all of us together. It's God's mission and heart for the church. And the doors of this church will always be wide open for the hurting and the broken, the down and outs and the up and coming, the weak and tired and the fierce and feisty. How many of you are feisty out there? My wife is. And I want to live my life to embody this purpose of what God is doing, recognizing that this is his house and this is his house. How many of you say, you know what? I got some work to do in 2019 to be a part of what God's trying to build. Would you raise your hand? Awesome. Thanks for being honest. Me too. Can I pray for us? God, we just thank you that you're up to something big right now. We thank you that you are illuminating and awakening us to the fullness of your purpose. That you're doing something miraculous inside us. God, we recognize that not only is this corporate entity, this building your church, but God, we as individuals, we are your church. So God, help us to live the life that you've called us to live. To not hide away in fear, but to stand up with boldness. To proclaim the gospel and God, to illuminate your presence. Let it not only be at the movement church, but let it be in each of us as individuals. Because we know if it's your heart for the church, it's your heart for me. In Jesus' precious name I pray. And everyone said, amen. Let me just take 30 seconds and give everyone in this room an opportunity to begin the journey with Jesus. Every service we do, we give people a chance to respond because there is a starting point. And for many of you, today might be about the first time you begin this journey. And look at me in the eyes. For some of you who've been running from and playing with your faith, today's the day to start the journey again. With no embarrassment to you, I'm not going to ask you to get out of your seat. In fact, in just a moment, right where you're seated, I'm going to give you the words to pray in the quietness of your own heart or in a small whisper. But look at me, don't let this moment pass you. The starting point of the journey with Jesus. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Nobody moving, nobody looking around. If you're here and you've never prayed this prayer or today's the day to pray it again for the first time in a long time with the faith that you can muster, let me give you the words to say. Just say, dear God, I know that you're real, that you've given me purpose. I'm not perfect. Would you forgive me? I need you. And make this statement your own. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com and if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email 
at info at theocmovement.com, and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.